Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello and welcome back to the IAB UK podcast. From the IAB, I'm James Chandler and after a brief Easter hiatus, we're back with some morsels of what you can expect from this year's Engage on the 25th of May. Engage is, of course, the IAB's flagship conference designed to celebrate all the wonder and mastery digital advertising has to offer. And this year, we're riding the zeitgeist wave that is AI. The science, the ethics, the reframing of creativity, the heady disruption, and all the jobs AI may or may not steal from us. And who better to come on and distill the hyperbole from the stuff that actually matters the most than Contagious's David Beresford, senior strategist in their advisory business. We talk about what Contagious are getting asked most when it comes to AI, the various use cases for agencies and advertisers, and what some of the very best examples look, sound, and even feel like. But I started by asking David to give a 101 explainer on exactly what Contagious is and how the advisory part of their business works. So Contagious, we describe ourselves as a creative and strategic intelligence service. So what that means in practice is that we work with agencies and also major brands to help them in different ways. So for agencies, we give them the benefit of our insight because we're looking every day, every week at categories and brands around the world Mm. that are doing interesting and innovative things. Uh, And then we write that up and that all goes onto our internal sort of database, which agencies can access and also we can help them navigate. On the other side of that, we work with brands quite a bit as well. So they'll get us in to give them a briefing on trends like, say, AI, for example, or sometimes we work with them on bigger projects such as creative transformation within their company. They're just keen to get a better creative culture and foster that. So we'd be experienced doing that with a number of different brands around the world. And so is AI kind of nearing the top of the list in terms of things people are asking you about? Yeah, so there's obviously it's absolutely exploded (laughs) off late. You know, you don't need me to tell you that. I suppose the tricky thing is people are feeling, I think, slightly burnt from the Mm. whole hype cycle of metaverse, NFTs. So, I mean, last year we were doing a lot of briefings around metaverse, web, three, all that kind of thing. But we were always trying to couch it in the terms of, look, this is just really interesting plumbing for the right. future of the internet, for the future of, of how we're going to communicate. Mm. But we were trying to, we were trying to ground people because we were saying, you know, you're three orders of magnitude in terms of the computing power away from this vision <laughs> that the Zuck is trying to sell everyone <laughs> on. But the difference, the sort of step change has been, even though people are a bit reticent about AI, generative AI, they're seeing immediate utility right. for this sort of stuff. Right. So we're not having to do the kind of as much of an explainer because it's been got it people are understanding the utility of it because they're playing around with it themselves you know which is a bit different to say the setting up something on decentraland or whatever it is for other people and that's kind of weird because i i guess it's such a good point because metaverse is kind of this closed thing like Mm. i need to have some kit to be able to do it Mm. i need some smart people who can guide me through it pretty much anyone can go into chat gpt bang some stuff play with it and you kind of immediately get what it is whether you're using it properly or whatever but it's quite accessible it is yeah so this sort of I mean, obviously, computational creativity as a concept has been knocking around for a while. You might remember things like, I think it was called the the next Rembrandt back in 2016, where there was that thing that picked up all the Grand Prix and people were like, wow, that's fantastic. That was, I believe, I'm right in saying, they they put like 18 months of work into that, okay, for that to work. If you think about what's happening now in the space of 
AI, generative AI, the tools to do that kind of stuff have been completely democratized. Yeah. So yeah. it really popped back up on our radar last year when OpenAI, who are one of the key players in this space, they released DALI 2, at least to a limited amount of people. And then we started seeing these things pop up all over the internet. These incredibly stunning yeah. images just from a few text prompts mm. popped into a window. Suddenly we're getting these absolutely stunning artworks. So that was when it sort of piqued our attention and we immediately thought, well, this is going to be <laughs> all over the industry before too long. So we sort of tasked ourselves with keeping abreast of this, which is no small challenge because, as I'm sure your <laughs> listeners are aware, literally every week, every day, yeah. something breaks, yeah, especially yeah. if you are following it on Twitter or LinkedIn, if you're following the right sort of people, it is slightly overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the sort of where Contagious can provide some value for their clients is that we try to distill and synthesize all of that stuff. We come in with a briefing and we say, this is what you need to know. This is how brands are beginning to experiment with it. And this is why it might be interesting for you. Yeah. And you don't mind being overwhelmed. You're getting overwhelmed so you can simplify the stuff and go in and talk to people. You're opening the show for us at Engage later this month. Wet people's appetites. Give us a teaser of what you're going to cover there. Well, it's a distinct honour and or <laughs> poison chalice to, to be the first speaker of the day. But I think, you know... I would describe myself as a very interested and enthusiastic mm -hmm. generalist about this subject. Okay, I'm not a technical expert on it, but I think that's going to be useful for your audience because I imagine not everyone's going to come in with the same baseline of knowledge. 100%. So I'm going to see my role as I'm going to have 15 minutes and I'm going to give people a whistle-stop tour of what it is <laughs> so that hopefully I can sort of tee up the rest of the great speakers you're going to have throughout the day. So I'm going to touch on a few different things. First off, I'll start off sort of contextualizing AI, like where we've come from. So this has its like roots all the way back in, you know, Alan Turing, World War II. And then why it has sort of exploded in the last couple of years, this shift from just purely analytical yeah. AI to this idea of generative AI. So going beyond that rote cognitive labor mm. to a place where these computers are now generating and creating new things. So I'll be charting that evolution a bit. Then I'll be talking about the four sort of major ways it's manifesting. So if you think about things like text, so this is your chat GPTs, GPT-4, things like code, so this is a big you know, area where this is disrupting, yeah. things like GitHub's Copilot is helping developers, you know, increase their speeds and their productivity massively. Then there's things like AI image generators, which I'm sure many people will be familiar with. And the sort of fourth stream of that is video as well, which mm. is now becoming incredibly good, incredibly fast. So I'll be touching on all of those and then thinking about its application to various industries. So the likes of incredible stuff in pharmaceuticals yeah, yeah. in terms of developing new proteins, Things like the law, it's absolutely tearing up certain areas of the law. Yeah. Things like medicine. Again, some of your listeners might be aware, I think it was ChatGPT passed some sort of medical licensing exam in the US not too long ago. And this is, you know, these are the initial versions of yeah. these things that are being released en masse. If you extrapolate that out, I mean, the rate of progress is slightly terrifying, which is yeah. something we'll come on to a bit later. Other areas like education. And then, of course, for this audience, I'll be addressing the elephant in the room, which is how the hell is it going to disrupt marketing <laughs> and advertising space? And where'd you go with that? Because I think so much of the temptation of the news cycle is to, or the, the sort of the lazy thinking is, well, okay, it can do stuff we can do, but better, faster, arguably mm. more creative. It can 
read a whole bunch of stuff quicker than we ever can. So if you're a copywriter, my job is doomed because these machines are going to be able to do it. I mean, that's the, a very sort of linear, lazy way to, to go at it. It feels like we've progressed on a little bit more than that now. Yeah, I mean, look, it's anytime there's any kind of technological revolution, there's always that Luddite mentality of yes. like, yeah. you know, the way we do it now is fine. You know, this technology will never make it, never <laughs> cut it. It will never... And they have a point, certainly at the moment, certainly in elements like humour. We see AI really struggling to, to tell a funny <laughs> joke. But if you're asking me more about like what I think the practical applications are, say, people working in agencies, we're already seeing planners, strategists discussing how they're using it yeah. and using it in quite interesting ways. So, for example, ChatGPT, they use it not as a method to do their job, as in they're not saying, give me an insight about whatever it is, this category or this brand. They're not using it to then take that wholesale and put it into a brief. They're using it to go, okay, so those three things that ChatGPT generated for me, those are the most obvious connections. Yeah. You know, those are the most immediate things. So it then sets a baseline for that strategist to go to the creative team and goes, this is the obvious connection. Got it. Can we go beyond that yeah, threshold? Nice, nice. And then obviously they're using it for other things like, you know, more practical things. Like if they've written a very long brief, they might feed it all into chat GPT and say, make that more concise for yeah. me. And it can do it like that, yeah. which is phenomenal. On the creative side of it, I follow various creative directors and whatnot, see how they're talking about it on LinkedIn. Obviously, some are more enthusiastic yes. about it than others. Yeah. But so, for example... Quite obvious things like, you know, the way we have storyboards now for telling a client, this is how we mm. envisage the idea playing out. Well, obviously, now with AI image generators, yeah, we can yeah, be yeah. a lot more imaginative. It's kind of a double-edged sword, though, because for some of those, you know, creatives, they're worried, oh, this is just going to be another stick for the client to beat me with if it mm. doesn't turn out exactly like the AI image generator. But my argument would be, that's always been yeah, the nature yeah. of things. The yeah. client always refers back to the storyboards and goes, <laughs> but you promised me this. <laughs> you know, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. But generally what we're seeing is the best creatives in the world are realizing that the writing is slightly on the wall mm. in terms of how much of a, a big player AI is going to be. But they're embracing it in a kind of positive and enthusiastic way. They yeah. understand that it's going to be another skill set so while they'll still be the driver of the creativity, yeah. the engine will increasingly become these tools. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, you know, it's an, an exciting time in our industry. And again, we'll probably come on to it a bit later, but is it going to disrupt in terms of jobs? Absolutely. But that's always the nature of things. We're always changing. We're always evolving. Yeah. But, you know, with change comes new opportunities to not sound too much like a Hallmark vision coil. <laughs> We'll clip that one. That's the mm. one that will come back to haunt you in years to come. And I think, I mean, you talked about humour there, but things like very specific cultural nuance, you mm. know, words that so many tiny things, accents, like so many things that actually humans will be very good at and can do quite easily. Mm. Of course, AI is going to get there, but I wonder if the application is all around maybe doing the more admin-y stuff like making the brief more concise mm -hmm. and maybe that frees us up some time to be more creative or strategic. I mean, these two things don't have to, it's very easy to see them as kind of binary things, you yep. know, it's me versus them, but yep. perhaps there's something in the middle. I mean, you must be seeing loads and loads of stuff as well. Give us some examples of some great stuff that you're seeing in advertising. Yeah, I mean, great stuff right off the bat. I'd have to point to Heinz, who last year, actually very early on when this was sort of, again, exploding across the internet, they must have been one of the most early adopters, early users mm. of generative AI image generators, specifically DALI 2 from OpenAI. 
And what they did was they saw the potential to extend an existing brand idea, brand platform they have, which is, you might recall in 2021, they did this thing called Draw Ketchup. It won yes. a load of awards. They went out into the streets yeah, yeah. and they asked people, can you draw what ketchup looks like to you? And invariably, people, they draw what looks incredibly like a Heinz ketchup bottle yeah. with that iconic Keystone asset and all that kind of jazz. So the team at Rethink, which is Heinz's agency in Canada, they saw, okay, this is an amazing opportunity for us to rerun this incredibly mm. successful campaign, but do it with a degree of cultural fluency, take something that everyone's talking about and see if we can give the same brief to AI to draw ketchup. And again, you've guessed that AI also thinks that ketchup looks like Heinz. And they made a whole campaign about all the incredible ways that they could draw ketchup. Yeah, nice. You know, Heinz in a Renaissance style, Heinz in a <laughs> Picasso style, Heinz in all this kind of thing. And then they just put this in digital at home all over Canada. And so, so it leapt from just being a, you know, a social thing to being out in the real world. Yeah. Then they were asking people, they were crowdsourcing ideas to say, you know, give us another prompt because yeah. they were one of the few that actually had access at that point. So really a wonderful idea, well executed. It was simple. They were playing into the novelty, but they did it bloody well. And they did it on a sort of existing platform that made sense for yeah. the brand. It wasn't just hopping on a bandwagon. So we'd probably expect that to be picking up some gongs in award season. Other ones that are a bit more serious, we've seen the likes of, there's a medical insurer in Belgium called Helen. And they had quite a good idea for World Mental Health Awareness Day last October, mm. where they decided they would experiment with AI image generators to try and bring the pain of people suffering mental anguish to life a bit. So working with a psychologist and three willing participants who all suffered from varying mental illnesses like a psychosis or anxiety disorder or something, they asked them to describe to the psychologist how that ailment made them feel. So, for example, the chap talking about his psychosis said that when he's having a sort of psychotic episode, it feels like he has these massive wings. And right. he was able to really evocatively describe how it made him feel. And they took that information, that very evocative description, and they fed it in to text prompts to these AI image generators, which created a visual that encapsulates mm. how that person felt. And then they were able to make this incredibly emotive film where they you know, filmed these people showing their families, their friends, this is how it feels for me. I can't really express it to you, but yeah. now you can share my pain, you can see my pain. So that was, that was really nice, you know, going beyond the kind of novelty of it. Yeah. Good example of that, again, something that might pop up in, in award season in the coming months, particularly in that health category. It's a re really good example. Yeah, yeah. We don't see much for, from, you know, that, that sort of neck of the woods. So really encouraging to see that. And then just one other one that I'd mention, if I'm not banging on about it too much, <laughs> which we saw lately, which was quite interesting. Again, more in this kind of potential for AI to do good or to reframe things in a different mm. way. We saw recently a social justice law firm in America called Morris Blackburn, I believe is their name. And basically what they did, they wanted to raise awareness of the plight of refugees who are in these detention centres off the coast of Australia, because obviously the Australian immigration programme is quite tough. And in Australia, there's this massive sort of blanket thrown over these refugee detention centres. Nobody really knows what goes on there. Journalists aren't allowed to go there. Right. Photographers, none of that sort of stuff is allowed. It's all top secret. So 
this social justice law firm worked with people who had come out of those detention centres, who had written testimony of the horrendous conditions they endured, the things they witnessed, and they worked with AI image generators, the, the latest generation of them, so incredibly sort of high-definition photography, to articulate and wow. express in visuals these witness testimonies. Mm. Now, that's interesting for a couple of reasons. I mean, I mean great for this social justice law firm, yeah. but it also raises interesting questions of, you know, when you can't get a photographer in somewhere, how much more likely is it that, you know, journalists are going to start turning to this kind mm. of technology and say, mm. let's imagine what the scene might have looked like. Yeah. Now, obviously, they would have to indicate that to viewers because it's a massive concern, obviously, fake news and things like mm. that at the moment. But with cost cutting and with everything else, I think we can imagine a world where journalists will increasingly be using that kind of technology for yeah. places they aren't currently on the ground to imagine what it might have been like. Yeah, or just different futures or things that happen. I saw something brilliant on LinkedIn, which was key members of the government and the front bench reimagined in sort of different careers. So you had, you know, Boris Johnson as a refuge collector mm. and that, but with sort of such realism, but yeah, playfulness about it. But it's almost like, you know, the places we can't see, the things we can't imagine, which, you know, perhaps we could only have done in things like Word before. You mentioned the bandwagon, which leads me to my next question is, how do brands stop doing that? You know, there's this big mm. new shiny thing. We can kind of all play with it. It sounds like something my brand needs to be interested in. Okay, go and do something in generative AI. And what's this kind of the warning signs against that kind of behaviour? Well, I think we're probably, again, maybe I'm overexposed to this sort of stuff. <laughs> but maybe I would venture that we're entering into the place now where we're going increasingly beyond novelty. There's only so much earned media you can squeeze out of novelty. Yeah. Brands will have to start being a lot more imaginative with how they're using it. That's why I mentioned the Exhibit AI, the detention centre in mm. Australia, the the health insurance brand in Belgium, Helen, really interesting yeah. ways that are relative to their brand, relative to the category, relative to the message they're trying to get across, not just looking for earned media. Yeah, I mean, look, everyone's trying to do their best, right? Everyone's got a job to do. Yeah. What I'd say by way of sort of constructive criticism, one of the major brands we've seen do a tie-up with OpenAI and Bain & Company, you might have seen this in the news lately, is Coca-Cola. Mm. There was a big sort of splash about that. And a few weeks ago, we saw the first sort of fruits of that, which was a campaign called Create Real Magic. And basically, the concept here was they had a microsite, and people could go onto it, and there was an AI image generator that had been given certain parameters. So it had been fed every iconic <laughs> Coca-Cola asset from down the years, and people were invited to create their own Coca-Cola ads, nice. essentially, in a creative way which is nice. And you can see the appeal of it. And I think, you know, the winners were going to get their the best efforts put on, you know, Piccadilly Lights or in Times Square <laughs> or whatnot, which is great. Good idea. But my sort of take on that would be that it's just essentially another user-generated content. Yeah. So they're taking something incredible and new and just doing something maybe that would have been similarly executed before, yeah. but in a slightly new and interesting yeah. way. Now, that might be for all sorts of reasons. One, because this tech is incredibly loose at present. There's all sorts of problems with bias and whatnot, so mm. they have to put certain parameters around it. I would imagine we're going to see a lot more interesting stuff from Coca-Cola in the years to come yeah. after this initial foray mm. where they're sort of finding their feet. And again, if they work more with their creative 
partners, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more yeah. to see. So I'd say watch that space. So everyone's going to go on that journey to some extent, aren't they? So if they haven't played with the sort of the novelty bit of it yet, that feels like quite a nice entry point. But as, mm. I guess as you do more and more, you talk to smart people like Contagious and other creative communities, your agencies, the more we're learning about this, which feels like we're doing it at pace, mm. probably the more sophisticated, the more perhaps closer to what you might do as a brand is going to come. What are the big sort of misunderstood areas of AI, do you think? Because we read lots and lots about it. There's lots of lovely novelty things, as you say. There's some, you talked about pharma, you talked about law, some really interesting things going on there. Are there any really sort of misunderstood things that you keep coming back to and back to or reading again and again? Yeah, I mean, slightly stepping away from the advertising Mm. element of it, just a broader thing that I think people are aware of because they're seeing headlines about it now. They might have seen in recent weeks Elon Musk and a number of others signing a letter yeah, saying we need a moratorium on the development of this. People will have seen that and maybe they would have been slightly freaked out about the idea of, you know, existential crisis, essentially, <laughs> you know, we're all going to be wiped out. But if you delve into it, it's seriously interesting. Mm. And again, I'm not a technical expert on this. I would encourage people to do their own research. But as I understand it, the experts who are on the bleeding edge of the development of this they do not fully understand the technology. Mm. They do not understand how the systems are getting to where they get. They put the inputs in, they know they get a reliable output. They don't understand what's going on in between. Mm. And that's because if you were to like print out all the computational (laughs) processes that are going on there, you would have reams and reams of paper, millions of computations going into something, you know, relatively simple that Mm. we would say, you know, a text prompt from this to an image here. How the hell did you get there? Yeah. So even the experts at the cutting edge don't fully understand what's going on here. And if we think about, you know, the sci-fi writer Isaac Asimov, he had his sort of three laws of robotics. The first one famously being that the robot will do no harm to human beings or won't stand by and allow harm to come to human beings. If we don't understand how these systems are even doing what they're doing, we cannot be fully certain Mm. that there is no sort of you know, not to be too dramatic about it, but there's no negative at- intent or nothing untoward yeah. going on. Yeah. And that is quite concerning. And I'm sure you're going to have other speakers that will speak to the ethics of these things. Yeah, yeah. So they'll do it in, in, in more depth. And then the only other thing I would mention is the broader social and political implications of this, mm. for me, are absolutely massive. Yeah. Again, I'm not someone who's prone to hyperbole or, you know, largely regarded as a cynic by my friends and <laughs> colleagues. But, you know, I think we're at a serious tipping point. The history books will look back on this as an mm. incredible tipping point. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think politicians are grappling with this, with the implications of this yeah. well enough. I saw a bit of research from Pew this morning I was looking at it, they surveyed 11,000 Americans. And I think they asked them, in the next 20 years, how much do you think AI is going to impact the working world? Or have a major impact on the working world, I think is how they couched it. And 62% said, over the next 20 years, it's going to have a major impact on the working world. Then they asked them another question. They said, how likely is it to affect your job? Only 28% said it was going to affect their job. So there's this massive blind spot. Mm. And I'm sure you and I, if we talked about it at length, we'd probably be guilty of it as well, saying, oh, no, I've got a certain skill set that's (laughs) going to protect me from this. The reality, I think, is, you know, we're all increasingly, you know, going to have tasks taken away from us because the machines will do them better. So there's going to be a massive societal reckoning where people are, we're going to have to work out a better way to organize ourselves (laughs) because that could be slightly problematic by the time, you know, 
I get to retirement if I do. <laughs> yeah, that would be my take on it. I'm chuckling slightly at the idea of a 20-year time frame with AI, you know, given yeah. what you think's happened in the past five years. I mean, mm. to think about 20 years is just such a sort of terrific amount of time you know who knows will be there then david that's amazing i love the fact you described yourself as a generalist at the start as well i saw a brilliant post this week about a real celebration of generalists the fact that everyone in the world kind of wants to be a specialist in something mm. but if you don't have the generalists pulling them together getting the right people in the room making sense of it all we just have loads of people who individually kind of know about lots but no one knowing about lots of varied stuff so delighted that you talked about being a generalist we cannot wait to hear from you on the engaged stage you're treading the boards of which contagious have trod them in years before you as well so you'll be in brilliant company and thank you so much for coming and talking to us today well, thank you, James. Thank you for having me. David Beresford from Contagious there. And if that was enough to whet your appetite, you can, of course, hear the full fat version of David's take on AI at Engage on the 25th of May at the Londoner in Leicester Square. Tickets are available at iabuk.com forward slash engage and advertisers and agencies come completely for free as our guests. There's loads of other stuff going on too. Uh, our most recent last Thursday club was all about how to avoid becoming a clickhead. Ad Spend 2022 launch showing growth in digital advertising of 11% to over £26 billion. And for the first time, we sized the UK retail media market worth 100 176 million and as well as engage in may we're returning to the podcast show the podcasting mecca in the uk and that's it for this week engage tickets will inevitably sell out so get yours soon thanks so much for listening iab uk building a sustainable future for digital advertising